You're listening to Make It Happen, a podcast for curious, big-hearted, purpose-driven creatives. I'm your host, Jen Carrington, and this is episode number seven. Welcome to the show everyone. Thank you so much for listening today. I have a really awesome guest for today's episode. Her name is Sarah Tasker and some of you may know her best as me and Ola as that's what her blog and online presence is called. Sarah is actually a good friend of mine and we became friends last year as Sarah hired me as her content coach and creative mentor and we had a really awesome time working together and then became pretty good friends in the process. We're now actually working on something really fun together behind the scenes but you'll find out more about that in the coming months. I invited her onto the show today to talk all about Instagram and her journey to becoming a self-employed creative, how ballsy she is when it comes to putting herself out there and how she balances being a mother alongside her business too. Sarah is a writer, photographer, blogger and Instagram coach and we have a really fun and casual chat today that I hope you enjoy listening to. Let's jump in. Hi Sarah, welcome to the show. Hello. So this, you have to understand, like, this is really awkward for me and Sarah because me and Sarah are friends. We've just been having, like, a normal conversation and now we're, like, transitioning into podcast talk. We were talking about things that we wouldn't talk about on the podcast. Well, we wouldn't talk about on a podcast. (laughs) Not, like, not, like, uh, unethical things. just a little bit. Just a bit, um, like, girl talk. So, (laughs) (laughs) So Sarah is actually, so me and Sarah have known each other for almost a year now. Maybe a little bit longer. Maybe. Yeah. Sarah was one of my, like, probably like my, in my first like 10 clients, you were probably one of those people. And we worked together back. So back this time last year, and then we've kind of been friends ever since. And now we're like, friend, well, no, when I said to Sarah, I was like, oh, and I'll introduce you as like a client who turned into a friend. And Sarah was like, I can't be friends with you because you don't use Instagram. Yeah. You can be acquaintance, but if you're not on Instagram, it's kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Which you'll understand in a minute. Do you want to tell people who you are, what you do, kind of just a little bit more about your story so far and kind of how you got to where you are now? Okay, so um, my online name is me and Orla. Orla is my little girl, she's three. Um, when I was pregnant with her, I sort of started using Instagram properly. You know that way that everyone starts and they just take pictures of themselves in bars, smiling and their friends and stuff. So I had that kind of Instagram account and then then I was pregnant and I was too fat and lazy to hook my DSLR up and carry it around and everything. So I was like, how am I going to still get my photo fixed? Because I really enjoy photography. So it was that time when like iPhoneography was all over Pinterest so I started using my iPhone and Instagram Um, and my aim that year I kind of made a new year's resolution in in December that I was going to try and get a thousand followers by the end of the year and I had that many by the end of January so I was like okay by the end of April I was at like 35k um, and it just kept growing and growing um, to so now what are we three years on and it's at about 120k and I've got a decent traffic on my blog and kind of other stuff as well you're I, I said this to you before we before we started recording like the interesting thing about having you on the show today is that you're kind of part of like a young industry so kind of two two three years ago your job didn't even even though you're kind of like doing lots of like traditional creative work and then lots of like internet young industry creative work like part of what your journey probably wouldn't have existed five years ago even with Instagram existing then so I guess for you when you started out on this journey like if you told yourself three years ago this is where you'd be now 
would your mind just be blown? Yeah, no, I would ever believe that. And I think I was sort of, I was on maternity leave. And I think a lot of women, when you're on maternity leave, you start to think, oh, I don't want to go back to work. I wish there was something I could do from home. And in fact, I can remember, someone reminded me the other day that my brain kept kind of landing on things. And I was like, maybe I could do those paper cuttings. And then I realized I was shit at that. And then, you know, you just kind of jump around these, maybe I could have an Etsy shop. No, I can't do that. So I kind of, I was looking, but I wasn't, I didn't have any idea what it was going to be um, until... Instagram sort of started to take off and I was looking and thinking other people make something out of this and maybe I should make something of it too um but yeah I think it's quite unusual to start with the Instagram and and then build a successful blog most people who have a successful Instagram have done it off the back of their blog that was already established I just realized that we haven't actually told people like where you are (laughs) yeah like if people are like um yeah if people wanted to kind of understand like what you do in terms of like a job and people, in terms of like how your online presence has helped you build a career for you, how would you break it down in like a really easy to understand way for people? Um, so I, I guess it's kind of, I, I do, <laughs> I'm an Instagrammer and I'm a blogger and now I do some freelance writing and freelance photography. Um, and that's all come about directly from Instagram. Which is crazy, right? Completely crazy. Completely. I didn't know that was possible. <laughs> awesome though. Because like, did you, before you started doing Instagram, was photography just a hobby or had you had any like invested in training or anything like that? No, it was just a hobby. Um, like a long-term hobby, probably like, I guess like 10 years, right from my teens. Um, but that was all. It was kind of never imagined it would be anything else. And I feel like for you, it grew like very organically, didn't it? Yes. Yeah. I, I think I was kind of in the right place at the right time a little bit. Um, and because I was a mum, babies do really well on Instagram. I love babies. Um, but also, like, I was really desperate for that community. I was really lonely and bored at home. So I was kind of looking for people to connect with. So it was it was really natural. It was really genuine kind of reaching out for connection. And then that just kind of grew. Probably my biggest downfall in terms of knowledge is Instagram because I don't use it. Like, I can understand Instagram as, like, a, as like a strategic platform, but... <laughs> It's so funny, whenever I work with any clients, they're always like, Jen, why do you have such a small social media presence? And I think they think it's like, like really strategic. But my honest answer is, <laughs> if I don't like something, <laughs> I'm not going to do it. And, um, but so I kind of, when anyone comes to me and they really want to know about Instagram, I always send them your way because you have a really cool free ebook on your website. But also you do some Instagram coaching, which is really Yeah, cool, I didn't really mention cool. that, did I actually? <laughs> probably mentioned it. So yeah, I do some sort of mentoring um, with people. It's kind of mainly creatives and bloggers or people with small businesses who want to kind of use Instagram more effectively, I guess, or kind of some people just really want to just use it like for themselves as kind of a creative tool and want to know how to do it better and want someone to talk them through it. Yeah, Instagram, people love it. Yes, it's like an obsession. It's an obsession of mine. I'm properly addicted and I don't care. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you will, I don't know if I've ever even told you this, but I deleted like all the social apps off my phone. When? Like over Christmas, like I was, you remember, I was super burnt out late last year. There's like a 1.5 episode of this season, 1.5. So the first mini episode goes into that in more depth if people want to hear about it. But I was super burnt out. So I deleted all my social apps and my email off my phone. So now to go on Instagram, I have to go on like the internet, like the website, the Instagram. Oh, wow. Which is rubbish. It's no fun that way at all. And, and like, so it's, it's actually like such a weird experience to engage with Instagram because on the phone all you see is the photos but on the website there's like lots of white space around it yeah so it's like yeah but then I don't use it I mean I never say never but I hate taking photos it's probably not the one for you who hate taking photos no 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 I told Sarah one day that this is like years off I want to hire someone just to follow me around and take photos on Instagram I have volunteered I will be that person if you pay enough (laughs) 
And so, so in my and I know you probably would hate, you probably like cringe when I say this, but in my mind, like, you know what you're talking about when it comes to Instagram. And you kind of, I know you have your secrets that are obviously just for your clients, but um, if people listening right now who kind of want to use Instagram, so most people listen to this show are either building a creative business or they're living a very creative mm-hmm. life. And if they're like kind of looking at Instagram and they're kind of like, oh, I love this platform, but I'm not getting anywhere with it. If you could like, if they could just take away three things today, what would they be? Like of how to like utilize Instagram in an effective and creative way. Um, number one would definitely be just take the best pictures you can and share the best pictures you've got. So just really make your content amazing. Like I blogged about this the other day that kind of sometimes people come to me and they're kind of like, well, I want more followers and I want more engagement. And I say, well, we need to work on your images and kind of that surprises people, but it's such a visual platform. So people are on there looking for beautiful, inspiring, gorgeous content. And if that's not there, they're not going to follow you. Then that's not what they're there for. So amazing pictures is definitely number one. Um, number two is engage more with, with everybody and with the audience and kind of reach out. Um, I think, I don't know, like I find people sometimes have this kind of old school model in their head. I guess it comes from the old blogger model where like you have an audience and they will come and leave you comments and that's nice and you go away again. And Instagram's really not like that. Like you have to give and take, you have to reach out and it's kind of optimized so that it rewards you. The, the more you engage, the more other people will find you and come back to your content. Um, and then number three, um, don't use the Instagram filters. Use a third-party app. <laughs> I like Visco or VSCO. People say it different, but there's loads. But yeah, the Instagram filters are way too too heavy, and they just they kind of kill it. So, what I've noticed from kind of talking with other creatives who use Instagram for their brand or seeing a clients who work with both of us at exactly the same time so <laughs> I get to hear like what they're learning from you which is really interesting is um like I, I'm terrible at saying this word but curating the feed is like yeah. super important isn't it like um like the colors have to, and this is me I'm like the least visual person you'll ever meet here so I'm literally like talking crap but like like the, the colors in the feed and like people who who do Instagram and on a level where it's either making them a living or that it's moving their brand forward it's not just posting photos for the sake of it it's very planned out Mm -hmm. isn't it yeah people have like a backlog in advance including me and kind of are able to draw on it so like fashion bloggers will take maybe five pictures from one individual outfit like a shoot in different ways to drop in through their feed through a week so that it really harmonizes um and there's different ways of doing it but kind of you, you need to be at least trying it out before you post it to see how it looks compared to everything else on your feed and checking that your colours are the same and that the colours flow, etc. And what a client told me today that she uses her Visco grid and like Yeah, she, that's my top tip. Yeah. She like, <laughs> puts them on and then she sees if they work because once you once me and you were starting having like really deep and meaningful conversations about Instagram <laughs> I know. And because we kind of like I my brain just goes to like a strategic place. I look on Instagram now and I can see people like, oh they've put like blue there and there's blue in that one. Like yeah. oh and there's purple there and um it ca- it I love actually engaging with a grid where it feels really creative, but also really well thought out because that it just makes, draws you in, doesn't it? Yeah. You just it makes it such a pleasure, and and kind of it just sucks you in. Again, it comes back to that that visual thing, and if you've got a load of kind of dark images off to one side, it feels off balance, and kind of it it loses it just loses the viewer's attention. So, what do you think about captions? I know a lot of people like some people do like like one little sentence and loads of hashtags or some people I love um one of my favorite people on Instagram are hey sweet pea I think we spoke about them the other day and like yes. they do like really like kind of captions that make you cry sometimes 
<laughs> but that's because I'm a sensitive person. But um, like, what do you like captions? Is it kind of whatever suits your brand best in your opinion? Yeah, I think so. And, and I think captions are a good opportunity to kind of be a bit more genuine because Instagram is so geared towards content that's almost too good to be true these days, like quite styled photos and quite perfect. And if you're doing that, it can be quite nice to make sure that your captions can kind of put a bit more real, a bit more personality into it. But one thing I always say is um, don't write really, really long captions because nobody reads them. They're on Instagram because they've got a rubbish attention span and they're like, double tap to like and, and scroll. And if you write a really long caption, people won't like your picture because they don't read the caption and they're scared that the caption says something really bad, like your dog died. So they're like, I just, I, I can't. And they just skip over it. And it could, yeah. So keep your captions kind of, succinct <laughs> <laughs> and so for you Instagram was a jumping off point to like the incredible life that you have now and like, the incredible work you get to do for people listening who may be a, a curious about that or be like hey I've got a I've got a pretty cool Instagram people seem to like it what can I do with it for you that transition was that a mixture of good luck and good timing or outreach from you outreach from me I was really cheeky about it because because I was in that position if I didn't I, I knew I had to go back to work but I was like I don't want to have to go back to work what can I do and so it was when I got to kind of that like 30 40k mark and I was thinking this is enough to do something I didn't know what it was but I knew other people were doing things so I just reached out I reached out to a couple of brands and said hey do you want to like send me some stuff to show to my followers um and they said yeah so I was like amazing um and then as it grew I kind of realized actually I was getting to a point where where that was something that people were charging for. Um, and then once I'd kind of, I think it was building that trust with the brands as much as with the audience so that companies could see that I was working with kind of fairly high profile names and keeping my end of the bargain and doing a good job of it. So that then I started to be asked to do kind of broader projects. And I think what um, I think is so interesting about you is like you've, so you've monetized it in like lots of different interesting ways, but it never seemed to have a negative effect on your relationship with your people. Like your My people. Your, your people. <laughs> my subject <laughs> like you're some cult leader <laughs> they're all my friends that all of them are friends all 119,000 <laughs> like it's that was was there ever a time where you kind of had to like figure out how to monetize without losing the the friendship that you had with these awesome people who are following you how did you do it without feeling like you'd sold your soul um I kind of I think I probably made a few mistakes along the way um but I guess it came down to I was I'm slightly obsessive about my content. I think anyone that really loves Instagram becomes a bit obsessive about their feed. So I knew as soon as something wasn't going to be right for my feed that it just wasn't going to fit. Um, and so kind of kind of trying to just say yes to the opportunities that felt right. Um, but it's, it's very different to kind of sponsor content on a blog, which is it's a whole blog post and it's kind of a big commitment for you and also for the reader that once they're reading it, it's kind of a chunk of their time. But on Instagram, it feels a bit more, it's a bit lighter because they can just scroll past it you know they double t double tap to like it's it's only a couple of seconds out of their day so there was so like there was one case where I said yes to I'd said yes to a campaign with um like a detox tea and when it arrived I realized it was actually a weight loss tea which I didn't agree with because it's woo um but they were paying me and I needed the money so I think my caption was something like oh I'm drinking this tea and what do you think do I look like Zoe Deschanel yet like has it worked so kind of trying to like I wasn't lying to my followers I was still being who I was but also mentioning the tea so everybody wins I've also like as someone who is like I will never click on a blog post if it's sponsored but on Instagram and that's not me being like 
rude like I just I love reading really personal really insightful content yeah you don't expect to like it do you if it's- yeah and I mean if it's if it's like an interesting sponsorship like if it, if the title is just like a normal title I'll click on but if the title is like in partnership with Dove like I'm just gonna switch off <laughs> yeah but on Instagram I really don't care if it's sponsored or not as long as the picture inspires me or sparks my imagination in some way that's so true that's what I should have said <laughs> <laughs> yeah because as long as the picture is good as long as it's on brand and it's the content you always create it doesn't matter because all that's really different is the caption and maybe, you know, the products in the image somehow. I want also, I want to pull it back a little bit because I think a really interesting thing about you is like, because, and we kind of not went through it together, but like I saw you go through this. It's like you quit your day job to go and do what you do now all yeah. time, which, and I remember the day you did it. And I remember I messaged you and I was like, I hope your first day of being your own boss is going well. And I remember for you, it was like, that sounds like so dreamy, but for you, it, it was, um, it wasn't this big like fairy tale leap was it it was very much like a very like you'd put all this work in all the years before and then you took this leap and then I think a lot of people either are thinking about taking that leap or they're nervous about it like for you what did it look like that kind of leap into becoming a full-time creative for you uh it was it was really scary not least because I quite liked the job I was leaving I worked for the NHS and I'd been there a long time and it's that security I'd never been self-employed I'd never kind of lived that way um and there was sort of no, there was no final deadline on it. I could have kept pushing it for months and months and kept going, oh, I'll quit next month, I'll quit next month. But the work was piling up and I was having to say no to really exciting projects because I just didn't have the time to do both. So I knew it was time. Um, and actually it was really rapidly I found as soon as I was able to start putting that full-time hour hours into it that immediately the work picked up to kind of compensate and actually... Uh, now now the work absorbs all my time and I'm still having to say no to exciting projects because I don't have enough time so I guess that's something to be glad about I think it's like um it's really interesting because our journeys are so different obviously I don't use use Instagram (laughs) but (laughs) so for me I built a blog for two years before I started like my coaching business and people always like ask me like oh how did it a like go how were you able to make a full-time living from it like straight away and how did it like grow so fast and it's literally because I put two years of work in like I didn't even know that that's where I was going to end up with it but like the work you put in before you even think oh this could be my job it's kind of really organic and not everyone's in that situation but it's really incredible when you are in that situation because um you don't have to hustle just as hard because you've got like a bit of a foundation with your brand yeah keep you going Definitely. And kind of because for me, I, I had a I had an old blog that I didn't that no one really knew about. And then I started my Instagram instead. Um, and it was kind of the I had a blog that I ran alongside the Instagram, but it, it wasn't anything particular, particularly exciting. It didn't have a massive audience. And it was really because brands were saying to me, what are your blog stats? Do they match your Instagram? And I was thinking, no, they really don't because I've not updated it for six months. So I started to put the work in there not really knowing why I was doing it but only because I kind of was like there was this demand for it so I thought I better had but actually I think now if I hadn't have done that then I wouldn't be in the position that I was in where I was able to quit my job because I needed both and it was that security of thinking I've not got all my eggs in the Instagram basket and if all of a sudden another app takes its place tomorrow I'm not going to have nothing left and how's it been the first year working for yourself is it incredible brilliant I love it it's the best best. and there's been so many times when like I've kind of started on one style of work so at first I was doing quite a lot of sponsored posts and it just didn't feel right it felt a bit like I was selling my soul just to make sure I was making ends meet and I think you and I met and I was telling you about it and you were like it sounds like you're having to do quite a lot of work just to kind of break even at the moment so and I came away from that I was like it's true this isn't what I was this isn't what I was planning on doing so kind of 
you have that control to completely change your focus. So that's when we came up with the mentoring. I was like, I can do this. And kind of when it's just you, you are in complete control. And if there's something about your job that you're not happy with, you can be creative and kind of brainstorm and come up with different ways of doing it, which is amazing. You don't get to do that in the NHS at all. (laughs) (laughs) I think I am. Yeah, it's like I always... I think I always was looking at your brand and I was like oh Sarah it's like take control of your influence is what I was always thinking with you it was like you had so much influence and um and like sponsored content is great like obviously you still do sponsored work and it can be a really great revenue stream for you but like you said like when you run your own business if there's content streams that you can be com- or work that you can be completely in charge of then you kind of are running the show definitely and it definitely. feels and it feels good doesn't it because it's you know it's coming from your brain straight to the execution and you're kind of not answering to anyone else and that means you can the great thing is that you've been able to be more fussy with what you say yes or no to absolutely yeah, I turned down um a big name today um for a sponsored post which like I was thinking as I did it that this time last year I would have bitten the hand off because the fee was really good and it was all great but it just isn't isn't what I want to be doing and it's not right for my brand and it's good to be able to be back in that position and kind of be able to put that first. Yeah, that's awesome. And kind of be focusing on the bigger picture. But what I've always noticed of you is, and I don't know if this is because we're British or, <laughs> or if this is specifically because we're both Northern. Yeah. <laughs> but you're very, um, like, you're okay with whatever's going to happen because there's like, you're trusting it. Does that make sense? Like, you're, it feels like you're very open to just kind of like trying something out and seeing where it goes and you're not like in 10 years I have to be here with my work I don't think you can predict can you with the digital stuff as well because I have no idea what in 10 years time we'll probably all be on like hollow projectors googling with our brains I don't even know how it's gonna look like but it's it's definitely not going to be on Instagram so there's no point planning I kind of need to just my my plan my plan is always to just try and keep up and, and move with the times and kind of keep having new ideas and has there been anything about this first year of running your own business or being a, and being a freelancer that you haven't enjoyed? Like what has been, was there anything that surprised you that you were like, oh, I didn't know I'd have to deal with that? Um, I knew I would have to deal with taxes, but I was kind of blotting that out of my brain and I've had to confront it a little bit more. It's just the maths of it. I don't enjoy anything to do with numeracy. Um, and I guess like it, maybe it's, you never stop working ever. And that's partly a great thing because I do what I do because I love it and I don't want to stop working. But I never understood that before, that kind of when people say you never, you're never off when you're self-employed, that's really true. I'll be like even watching TV in the evening, I'm scrolling through my phone or I'm replying to emails or whatever. It's, it's constant. It's every day. It's every weekend. Um, but it's a positive as well because I get to do what I love all the time. So it works both ways. Your head literally, um, it is just one of those things that everyone says and everyone who doesn't do it rolls their eyes. Yeah, yeah. Like everyone's like, right, okay. But then like, even if you're trying to switch off, your head is still thinking about your business, whether you're just sparking new ideas or, mm-hmm. or and it's exhausting and exhilarating exactly the same time. Exactly. And when your business is so much to do with Instagram, like my downtime is Instagram time because I'm like, oh, cup of tea. I need to take an Instagram. So even my breaks at work is this never ending. <laughs> But but then we said before we jumped on, because me and Sarah both had really grumpy evenings today. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I said when we jumped on, I was like, Sarah, I'm in a foul mood. But we were like, but at least if we're in a foul mood, like we still get to wake up tomorrow and kind of take our life at our own pace. And that is exactly. um, something to be incredibly proud of that we've been able to do. But also like, I just, I'm so like grateful for it as well. I count myself so lucky. So, so And I never thought, like I, t- I talk about this sometimes on the blog, but I never thought I'd be in this position. I feel like 
Instagram gave me a complete second chance because if you'd asked me when I was 12, absolutely I would be writing for magazines online and I'd be taking photos and producing content and doing all these amazing things. But if you'd asked me by the time I was 20, oh no, I've blown it. You know, those, those were not options for me. I'd had delusions of grandeur and actually I was going to stay in the same job for the rest of my life, kind of, you know, not able to, I'd even resign myself to the fact that I would always earn less than my fiance and kind of, you know, that was just my role in life and I was sort of okay with that and then somehow because of Instagram all these opportunities have opened up to me that kind of really by rights I should have missed the boat on and I somehow managed to get a foot in the door to do all these things I never thought I'd be able to do so I can't believe it's actually happened if you're really lucky. I think that's the, like the magic of the internet like there's so much like there's so much good and like crap on the internet too yeah. like there's this absolute magic of and it's the same for me like the internet like opens doors yeah. To like things you didn't even knew, know possible. Like I trained to be a freaking social worker and you were a, <laughs> and you were a speech therapist. Yeah. <laughs> and now we have like creative careers and it's, um, and I think this also, when people always ask me like, oh, you're only 23 and you run your own business. And they're like, how did you start it? And I was like, I was ballsy. Like I had to be ballsy to do something that was like a tiny bit out of my comfort zone. And when I think of ballsy, I think of you as well. Even though like, like we said, like we're both quite like mellow timid non-confrontational yeah. people but to me you've always been ballsy I remember the first time we met and you was like I just go home and I have a glass of wine and I send some emails out yeah, that's true that was my that still is pretty much my pitching style is to have a glass of wine first that's my top tip that and smile while you're writing your pictures um because I don't know maybe maybe this is also a British thing but I find like and still people like people I work with do this a lot and I used to do it kind of you feel like you have to reduce yourself so you say I think maybe we might work well together and you know um I've got quite a good Instagram following and it's like no that doesn't work you can't send that to a PR and expect them to reply you have to say hi we'd be amazing together and check out my awesome Instagram following have a look and like be really positive because if you can't sell yourself then nobody can but I I can only do that if I've had gin or wine so (laughs) And I don't drink, so for me, it would probably just be like sweets because they, they tend up. Yeah. So, yeah. Because <laughs> I remember um, just the other week we were having coffee and we were talking about something that I was trying to get sorted um, for your, via an email. And I was kind of a bit nervous. And you said to me, you was like, Jen, do not ever sit there and like pander to someone else. You were like, like be confident. Like, they're not doing you a favor. You're like, it's a mute. Like, and I took that in me with my head because I was like, people can smell desperation through an email. Yes. And, and like people can smell insecurity they can. And, there's no, and there's no time for that when you're in charge of making your own money. No, you don't want to come across as a fangirl, I guess is the thing, because as soon as you put in that box, not that there's anything wrong with fangirls, because I'm a giant fangirl for some people, but um, as soon as you put in that box, you kind of have a certain status. And if you want to have a professional relationship with somebody, you can't seem intimidated by them, whether it's a brand or another professional or whatever, you kind of need to be pitching as an equal. How, how have you managed to balance being like ballsy and like a go-getter really in like what you do like you make opportunities for yourself with with while still being so like so damn likable and so damn personable <laughs> uh I don't know someone said to me at the weekend that that my blog voice was really ballsy and I was like really because it's not that's not me at all in real life I get a bit shy like if someone makes my, me the wrong drink in a cafe, I just drink it because I don't want to say I'm too shy to tell them. But yeah, if you made me the wrong drink on my blog, I would like totally lay into you and I don't know what that's about. Um, but I guess I guess someone described me as cheeky and I think maybe that's it, is that just feel like you can be a little bit cheeky and kind of be like, is there any chance? And, and ask, because and, if you don't ask, you don't get. 
I feel like listeners of this show are split down the middle. They're either running a creative business, so by that I mean they're either like a designer or a coach or an illustrator or a writer and they kind of have services and information products. And then I think the other half of the people listening to the show maybe have a blog and they monetize in the lots of interesting different ways mm-hmm. that you do. So they're kind of doing like sponsored work, maybe the odd like freelance consultancy job, maybe having some form of services, kind of maybe doing products. And I think for those people who like the blogging side of things, um, Number one, I don't think I've had a lot of conversations on this show that may be most suited to those people, even though I obviously talk to you all the time and I work with a lot of clients as well in your, who are kind of in that world. But I think, so hopefully it's really interesting for any people listening who are in that situation to kind of have an insight because I do think it's kind of two different beasts. Like when you run your own business, like personally, like I've never like pitched myself to a client, if that makes sense. Like that's just yeah. something like I build an online presence to attract clients. Whereas in your industry, it's a lot more, not dog eat dog, but it's a lot more like if you want to survive in that industry and thrive in that industry, you have to put yourself out there. Like nothing's going to come to you if you don't make way for it. No, exactly. And I think there was, there's definitely, there was a point where I was at where I was thinking, I want stuff to be happening and not enough people know about me. So kind of your options then are, wait for a brand to find you or go out and introduce yourself and I was confident enough that what I was doing was it was kind of hitting the right notes and and I felt that it was good enough so that was when I decided I was just gonna go out and pitch and there were times when kind of I'd be at work and I'd spend my lunch break just signing up to agencies just clicking through or just finding a list of email addresses and just sending out pitches to people because I felt myself like I, I felt if nothing was happening I'd start to kind of panic and think my moment had passed. And so the best way I could use that energy up rather than panicking was to be productive and pour into, into trying to make stuff happen. And it, and it did. (laughs) I kind of have this, um, this like mantra that's kind of on my mind a lot at the moment. It's kind of like, we can't ask anything from life if we're not willing to like do what it takes to get it. And it's kind of like you approached it like that. Like, I'm not going to ask anything from this Instagram kind of journey (laughs) if I'm not willing to kind of go 200% into it totally yeah and make things happen which is pretty it's pretty incredible and it's um I think it's really interesting just and it's it's it came from such an organic place from you like obviously like you wanted a thousand people in your first year and how many did you end the year on the first year um about 50k I think which is crazy (laughs) yeah yeah. If, if people listening are like so some people listening might know who you are probably a lot of people know who you are and then some people listening might be like who the hell is this girl yeah and if they're like okay how did you go from zero to 50 in a year and then in was it two years you went from to 100k I guess so yeah I'm trying to remember what are we on now I guess it's like year three uh, maths is not my strong point I did mention this earlier didn't I yeah no I think I was about 75k the following year and then yeah I don't know and if people are like if people are there like what how did you do this like what were you what do you think I'm guessing it's also timing like if someone went on Instagram now and tried to replicate what you did it wouldn't work because it's always timing with the internet but what do you think for your personal um Instagram I'm gonna say channel but Instagram profile what we feed (laughs) what would you say was like why that happened for you do you think um definitely one of the things that really helped me was Instagram found me so like they spotted what I was doing they featured one of my pictures on their blog and then they interviewed me for a Mother's Day feature they were doing and put me on the suggested user list for a week and stuff like that kind of if they promote you then all of a sudden loads of people find you but there's also sort of yeah a right place right time and I think the stuff I was putting out there was kind of on trend there's definitely trends within Instagram as there is with everything else and kind of unbeknownst to me I was kind of tapping into the right trends and I don't know if you asked me to replicate it now and start a new account tomorrow I think it would be completely different but I think there's definitely a lot of lessons I've learned from it that 
are very transferable as well. Yeah, I always wonder, I some I don't know where the hell I'd find the time, but I'm like, oh, I'd love to start an online business, like using all the things that I work through with my clients just to see how it would like look. Like if I just started like an online business, but I'm like, I don't have the time to do that. <laughs> yeah, in an ideal world, that'd be so fun though, wouldn't it? Like- just as like an experiment. <laughs> But I, I, what I find so interesting about you as well is, um, like you've never put yourself in a box career-wise with your, with like your creative work. Like, you've never just been an Instagrammer. You've never just been a blogger. You're not just a writer. You're not just a photographer. You're not just an Instagram coach. Like, not only do you keep your hands in lots of different baskets, but you like don't write yourself off as anything else. Whereas I think sometimes people online find it really hard to be multiple things because they think it's off-brand or because like they're becoming like a jack of all trades but with you it's kind of gone in your favor like how do you balance in your head all the different things that you do it all seems like one job to me and so then it's only when I try and describe to someone else what I do that I have to use all these different spurious job titles like half of them don't even sound like real job titles um because to me it's all one thing and that thing is I guess it's me and Ola it is what we do and it's just telling our story and kind of sharing what we've learned and whether that's sharing what I've learned about, I don't know, about like driving when you've got anxiety on my blog or whether it's sharing what I've learned about how to make Instagram work with a client or whether it's just, you know, sharing what I've learned about taking a nice picture on my Instagram. That's all still the same thing, which is just kind of sharing. It's all coming from your brain. Yeah, it's all me and kind of my, my take on life and my slightly craziness and <laughs> being, being spread around. <laughs> And I also think you're the first ever person on the show who's a mum as well, which is really interesting. Interesting. I um I <laughs> That's you're a baby though. That's because you're a baby yourself. So. Yeah. <laughs> so Sarah Sarah has sent um over the past year you've referred so many clients my way, which I'm crazy grateful for. And you said to me once that you describe me to people as Jen's a baby, but she's a really smart baby. Yeah, yeah, really clever baby. <laughs> <laughs> And I, and whenever we're together, I always ask you questions about being a mum because I'm like secretly curious and excited and dreading it at the same time, even though it's like probably 10 years off for me. But um, you said to me something once that has stayed in my head ever since. And because I said to you, I was like, you're a mum, but like, it seems like your creative life started when you became a mum, which is like quite different because we all have this image in our heads of like, oh, you become a mum and your whole life becomes about your baby. Mm. And you said to me, you was like, when Ola was born, that's when you decided I'm not going to like waste any time. I'm going to do what? Like, I'm going to do what I want to do with my life. Yeah. Which is, like, that's so interesting. Like, how have you found that journey of becoming a mum and becoming self-employed all kind of in the same season? Yeah, it's that's been tough. I don't necessarily recommend trying to do it all at once. But it was definitely, like, a, a real motivation for me. And I think it was because when you have a newborn, like, everything, not even your body is your own, everything belongs to this tiny little person. And it's brilliant. But you're also a bit like, well, what's left for me? And who am I? And kind of, I really took stock and was like, I don't want to just be, just be a mum and just be this job that I don't particularly like anymore. And kind of, yeah, it, it kind of spurred me on. And also, I think, like, what did I want to tell my daughter? What did I want to tell her about life? And what did I want to tell her about the things that she wanted to be as she was growing up? And kind of, if I'd given up on all of my dreams what kind of message did that send out to her but then on the other hand it's been so tough because kind of you know there was that point when I was working eight hour days and commuting for like three hours a day and then coming home and being a mom and getting her getting her fed and getting her into bed and then working six hours at my computer to make sure everything was up to date and then starting the whole thing again the next day and just feeling like I was being a rubbish mom and a rubbish blogger I still have my days where I feel like I'm doing bad at everything 
It's like the that's like the uh, the delusion of balance, isn't it? Like I cannot relate because I'm not a woman. The only thing I'm responsible for is my two cats, <laughs> one who I'm currently calling El Diablo because she's broken so many wires. Yeah, you, maybe you need to be a bit more responsible for that cat. Yeah, I know. Poor cat keeps giving herself electric shocks. <laughs> <laughs> but I like even in my life, like I'm either being a good business owner or I'm being a good girlfriend or a good daughter or a good friend, that's and I can one maximum. I read in um. So I read in a book, the book, I actually can't remember if I read this in Essentialism or Thrive, two books I really love. And it says like most people, so we have four baskets in life, like we have friends, family, work and health. And if most people can only do three really well at the same time, so one's always out of sync, but successful people can only do two at the same time. And I was like, oh my God, imagine only choosing even just three out of that list, but imagine only choosing two. And then it's really sad because in your gut, you know what you choose but you feel terrible for it and and every day we're making like I realized this last year in my business that some I was getting to the point where I wasn't actively choosing what I was giving my time to like my schedule and my life and what I felt like my responsibilities were were guiding it so now like I actively choose every single day and every week this is what I'm giving my focus and my energy to and I'm kind of being okay with okay maybe I won't see my mum this week or maybe I won't see my friends this week have you kind of found the same thing for you yeah it's funny to hear you say that I really relate to it it's the first time I've heard it in those terms but it's that definitely kind of describes how how the last year has gone yeah six months it's not even been a year um it's just a balancing act all the time and it's like that spinning plates analogy where you just kind of just manage to get everything going and then something else starts to fall and you can't do it or you drive yourself crazy so something's got to give I think it's a bit of forgiveness as well yeah and forgiving yourself I guess but it's difficult because the kind of yeah the guilt but as soon as you become a parent, you feel guilty all the time. You feel guilty when they hurt themselves and guilty and worry you're not doing a good enough job. And that's a bit like having a business. You always feel guilty. As soon as you go to bed, you're like, I should be working. I've not finished that deadline. Da, da, da. So it's just, it's like having two babies. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if really my business is what I have to look forward to when I have a baby, that means my brain is going to explode. Yeah, it will. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I, you, um, this sounds so this sounds so cheesy to even say this but like you like you do inspire me in the way like you have a kid because so I think when we first met I was probably adamant in that stage of my life that I was not having children because I was like I don't want to give up my time and my life and I was like I don't want to have to like sit on the sofa and want to watch tv with my boyfriend who'll probably be then my my then husband and have some kids sitting there and we can't watch you know adult sh- not adult shows. you won't even be allowed to touch each other she gets yeah. angry if we touch each other because you <laughs> but it's it's kind of like I don't know like it's because your blog is because your online presence is called me and Ola it's kind of like you and Ola have are going on this little journey together as well there is no there is no my business or my brand without her she is a founding partner of it almost (laughs) does she does she know that yet I don't think she can understand it yet but she 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 knows that her pictures are out there and she kind of quite likes that I'm careful (laughs) I'm careful about what I put out there but um yeah she like and that I have to remind myself of that because there are days when I think, oh, if, if I didn't have Ola, I'd be able to do so much more work. And then I think, oh, if I didn't have Ola, there would be no work. Like, we wouldn't be here. So, <laughs> And for, so for anyone listening who's also a mum and who is, like, just straddling that tension right there, what, what have been the most, like, practically helpful things that you've done in this journey to kind of make it work with being a mum and a business owner? Um, I think... I think accepting that what I did was work quite early on because it's the funny thing when you do creative stuff it's really easy to see it as just a hobby especially if you're doing something else to earn the bulk of your money 
and so you're kind of blogging or you're doing photography or, or else on the side I felt very self-indulgent to go off and do that um and it was only it was I was really lucky that my boyfriend was saying to me you know this is part of your job as well and you have to you have to prioritize it when you need to um and not feel guilty about it so that was good kind of making that divide um see it's really hard for me to answer this because I still don't feel like I do it well I still feel like I'd mess it up every day I have dedicated all the time and on my Thursdays and Fridays I have an out of office email reply that just says these are my holidays and I'm not going to be able to get back to you and I try really hard to stick to that but then by about three o'clock I'm like I just need to check my email I just I'll just look on Twitter it's like I just need to check everything's still going and it's not imploded without me that's awesome though that you can like put aside that time I'm I'm like the most I sound like the most selfish human now because I instead of having like days where it's about another human being I have days in my calendar in the week where it's like just a gen day I wish I could do that if I could I would I sound awful I'm just like yes Sarah I have just a me day but that is I I would do that if it was if it was at all possible so I don't judge you I just envy you (laughs) (laughs) but then you have this at least at least (laughs) you have this beautiful beautiful child yeah she sang a car a song in the car to me today that was just I like mummy over and over again so that kind of makes up for it (laughs) (laughs) and I always forget with me and you that like there's literally almost 10 years between us I'm an old hag thank you for pointing I look really young for my age, okay? <laughs> but no, I think I think you just like, you know when you listen to a podcast or you watch an interview and someone asks that really annoying question like, how as a mum and a career-driven woman do you balance it all? And they kind of give a wishy-washy answer. I think it's really actually amazing that you just was like, I haven't got it all Mm-mm. figured out. And like, even like, you're still a great mum and, and Ola will sing to you, I love mummy in the car. It was only like, to be fair, it was only I like mummy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it hadn't pushed a really long <laughs> Not time. quite there. <laughs> and then and then you're like running this business, which is, you know, an adventure and a like you know, everyone knows it's like listening, whether you're like a side whether you're at the beginning or you're side hustling or you're running it full time, it's an adventure and it's like a scary roller coaster at exactly the same time. And you're just doing it. And yeah, it's really I'm really I just I it's been really funny to like have gone on like this past year we've kind of gone on a weird like journey together in little bits because like I started my business and then we worked together and then we've both kind of seen each other grow and now we're in this stage where we like a collaborate and be kind of encourage and support each other so yep. it's really nice I, and I like I always the reason I've sent lots of work your way is because whenever I meet someone and they go oh how did you do it like how have you got here and I always go well there's this person called Jenny and I just send them to your website so it's not even like I'm not deliberately referring them to you but I can't help I can't tell my story without telling kind of how much help I got from you so (laughs) and you beautiful thing (laughs) I know it is and you're the only client I've ever worked with in person and like I've never had another client based in the northwest but you were so nice because I don't I don't know if I ever even told you this but I was like crapping my pants because I'm such a shy introverted person oh I didn't know no you never told me that no and like we met and it was like super easy and it was super chilled and then like now we've met god knows how many times and um so now you've made me less scared if someone ever else was like can I meet you in person I'd be like well you've got a high standard to reach with Sarah (laughs) you don't take them to our coffee shop that's like cheating on me (laughs) you'll you'll be there in the corner working like who the hell is this looking over my laptop like who is this bitch (laughs) (laughs) but no and we have we actually have something really exciting coming soon which is on the what what do the kids say it's on the down low (laughs) On the DL, yeah, the DL. yeah. 
don't it, know if they've said that since the 90s, but we'll go with it. <laughs> or as the PRs would say, it's embargoed, like it's secret. But we have, we've kind of put our brains together and we do have, and something exciting comes soon. That kind of leads on. So I have three questions that I ask everyone at the end of the show. Okay. And the first question is, what are you hoping to make happen in 2016? Um, well, I'm hoping that our secret project is going to be, it's going to be ready really soon. We've got a deadline, haven't we? So I'm <laughs> that we're both able to stick to that and get it out there. Um, and I'm going to do some, I'm going to do some exciting public speaking things. And I say exciting, I really mean terrifying. Um, but it's the next obstacle really, like it's the next thing to, to conquer my fear of because I think it's a new way to engage with my audience. And you have something exciting coming in the summer, personal wise. Oh, I'm getting married. I forgot about that. Yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs> I saw the sketch of your wedding dress. So yeah. I felt very privileged. Yeah. Um, yes. I didn't realise I was allowed to talk about personal. Yeah, I'm getting married. Hopefully I can achieve that too, please. It's a long way off at the moment. <laughs> it will be here in no time. Yeah, but I'm not ready. I've not booked everything. <laughs> okay, so the second question that I ask everyone who comes on the show is, anyone listening right now, if they are working really hard to make big and really incredible and amazing things happen online with their creative work, what would your advice be to them? Um, I think my number one thing would be to, it sounds really cheesy, but to just be yourself. Um, and I think the biggest trap that people can fall into is seeing what other people are doing and feeling A, intimidated by it and then B, feeling like they have to try and conform or match it in some way. Um, and actually, the one thing that the internet really does need more of is just unique voices actually telling it or showing it from a new perspective. Um, and I feel like, I hope that that's kind of one of my strengths because I think people connect to it a lot more if it's real yeah no just even just like shut off the noise and I think like I feel like with you like you never you were never obsessed with anyone else like I think once you get obsessed with someone you can't help but emulate them so my actual advice would be so listening if you find yourself getting obsessed with them stop following them for a while that's such good advice you know I was going to be a bit stronger when I said what I said then but I didn't I didn't know if it conflicted with your advice but I was going to be like just don't read very many blogs like for a while because we'd meet and you'd say to me like which blogs do you really love and I, I'd struggle to name them like they've got p- people saved in various places on my phone and on blog loving and stuff but I don't I don't love them to the point where I can like take you straight to their website and point it out because I find if I get that deeply involved I can no longer remember what it was I was trying to do. You lose complete sight of it, everyone does. And so I just consume outside of my industry, like my, and this is really funny, this is probably why I love what you do so much. My like favourite blog to read is like personal lifestyle creative blogs. Ah, so it's, it's a safe area for you. And it's, it inspires me, like I love just reading about how people are intentionally living their lives and kind of like dealing with, I really love reading about mothers, so maybe this is like me secretly telling something. <laughs> yeah. But I love reading like mummy blogs. And just like in like so I obviously I keep up with what's happening in my industry but I don't put anyone on a pedestal. I respect people. I I love what they're doing. I root for them, but I don't put anyone on a pedestal because I just have to stay really centered on what's important yeah. to me and I think you do it too. You can't compare yourself. You, as soon as you start comparing yourself to what other people do, you kind of lose that that thread of of kind of integrity to what you do because you try to tick too many boxes. That's great advice. And the last question is where can people find you? Where can they get involved with what you do if they're like I like this British girl who sounds a little less northern than Jen. Do I? Uh, you, have a, you have a slightly classier accent than I do. Oh, I grew up in a slightly classier bit of Manchester. <laughs> obviously, that's why. <laughs> um, 
Um, so you can go to my website, meandola.co.uk, and um, I have an Instagram ebook that's free to download. You can sign up to my mailing list. It's on the drop down called Instagram, um, and that is seven days. Kind of, it's like a little mini retreat that you can take and focus on your Instagram and up your game. And the feedback on that's been amazing. There's loads of people that come to me all the time on Twitter and on Instagram and kind of say it's completely revolutionised their Instagram. So. Um, that's kind of a high standard I've set there. I hope it does. If it doesn't, please, please don't feel cheated. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously they can find you on Instagram. Yes, me and Orla. Basically, if you type me and Orla into Google, you'll find all my stuff. I'm on Twitter and Instagram, etc. Yeah. And like we said, we have something, fingers crossed, I'm going up to Sarah's in a few weeks. Yes, you're coming to the hills. Yeah. (laughs) It's my secret dream to move to the countryside one day, but Alex is, he loves the city, so my hope is that Sarah can kind of show him how to fall in love with the We're going to woo him. We're going to, like, in the day so that it's just (laughs) fun, like, sales pitch for for rural (laughs) today. So we're going to have something really fun coming, probably April, May time. Yes. Mixing our brains together, which we're really excited for. But thank you so much for coming on today. This was this was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. It's been super fun. And there we have it. Episode number seven of season two of the Make It Happen podcast. As always, you can grab all of the show notes over at makeithappenpodcast.com. And I would love to hear your thoughts in today's episode over on Twitter. You can find me at Jen underscore Carrington and I would love to connect with you there. Until next time, thank you so much for listening today and I hope you have a great week ahead.